franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with the business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to episode eight of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as we have said in previous episodes, we like to offer education about opportunities in business ownership. So today we have uh, a franchisee, Drew Martin with Fitness Machine Technicians. He is one of my former clients and has been in business for about three years. And we invited him on today to really just explain to us and share with us a little bit about his background and his corporate experience and how he's been able to transition his corporate skill set into business ownership. So Drew, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So just kind of as I mentioned in the intro, tell us a little bit about your life and your career prior to purchasing your franchise, Fitness Machine Technicians. Um, yeah, went, took the old college route. And after that, just while well, I've always thought about owning a business, never knew how, never knew what to do, and just always assumed I'd get into management, sales management, sales, and things like that. Uh Last career was 15 years as a sales rep in insurance sales, employee benefits. And while I would have moved into sales management, I would have had to move away from DFW. And that is mm. not a high priority. Uh, do, do love it here uh, with all that. But um, just took those routes and always just kind of had the itch of what to do. Always thought I either needed to invent something uh, and, and go along with that. And I just have had multiple people in my life and even more recently as, as to why I'm here, someone that really believed in franchising and in a roundabout way, how I even got to use Sarah, um, where he didn't even know he worked in the franchise world, uh, for a franchisor mm. and, uh, for a large coffee chain. And, um, he ended up in a roundabout way getting me to you. And had I known this existed 20 years ago, I probably would have jumped all over it and just didn't really know, know that aspect of it. So that's been the background of that sales aspect, managerial sales. And at the end of the day, you're still working in corporate and you know don't have as much control maybe as what you want. It just depends on what personality you are. Yeah. So you mentioned that you kind of always had a desire to go into business, but didn't really know how. And that is certainly very common among mm -hmm. a lot of our clients. And you were kind of shared with me that because you were in B2B sales, you have a lot, you had a lot of control over your schedule, um, which you enjoy because you have uh, children that are very active in sports and activities and that sort of thing. But but so what was it kind of above and beyond that while having the control? You kind of mentioned that you didn't really feel a future because in order to uh, advance in that company, then you might need to move. So just kind of tell me a little bit more, I guess, about some of the roadblocks or uh, issues that you were kind of experiencing with yeah. your career. Right. Uh, yeah. For me to move up in those roles or whatever, I would have switched multiple different companies. And there's been plenty of people that done, uh, I've done that, uh, even in that corporate career. And uh, I just 
didn't have the desire to just jump around from one company on and on and on just to move up and, and did like the company I, I worked for. So uh, I didn't like that. I was thankfully in that sales role, which is great. And even in not only my office, much less the entire country was still like six most tenured just in my office. So it wasn't a, a bad thing to do what I was doing, uh, but had the control with the sales aspect to be able to make some schedule here, make up some time here, see my family, hang out with kids, get to sporting events as, you know, they're, I'm right in the mix of the busiest time ever with children of 13, 12, and nine in sports and uh, being able to do all the things that I want to do with our family. So I did have the control of the schedule and you just fight, fight, fight all through the years of sales rep. And I think I told you this earlier, you know, you, you run the marathon only to get to the end you run through the finish line, everything's awesome, and it turns January 5th, and they say, okay, start all over again. And, yes. and, and that just becomes the hamster wheel mm-hmm. over and over and over of where some of the people we even called on, uh, I guess, had their block of business, if you will, that, that they just held on to. So they weren't necessarily doing that. But in that corporate role, yeah, it, it becomes a just a churn and burn, and you got to do it all over, and you get the mindset to do it again. And and you finish and you did great and then you get new new goals again and have to hit those and they usually do not go in a lower direction uh, as they always say no good deed goes unpunished and then it gets a little bit higher what was the final straw that made you say okay i'm going to actually look at franchising like what what was that something happened yeah i mean like most instances timing's everything uh with a lot of aspects whether it's managers uh corporate just in general, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, when I had uh, left corporate, I was looking at franchising. Was, honestly, at the age of 39, trying to figure out what to do with my life, like everybody does at some point, and uh, it just took a little bit longer, I guess. And what I was really looking for is just what is that next step? Um, and if I really get a little deep, my, my belief system and my faith in Christ has helped me pray through a lot of things to mm-hmm. get to where I want to be. Um, and it seemed like every door that would open, you know, would get closed. But at least I had to jump out there and figure out what that was. I was looking in my industry, but didn't mind staying in corporate, but I didn't know where would, should I be? What, what do I want to do and all that other stuff? And during that process of talking to people, you obviously end up talking to a lot more people, a lot mm-hmm. more uh, diligently yeah. versus just with your buddies and you're hanging out. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should do this. Oh, we're making too much money. And, you know, there's no reason we have health insurance and all those things that come along with corporate that you don't know how to really, I guess, get away yeah. Uh, yeah. from that aspect. The golden so, handcuffs. Right. The, 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 those, those conversations become a lot more direct and, okay, what are, what, who do you know and what, what does that look like? And that's how I found FranNet and from, from that franchising aspect and had multiple other interviews, other places that are not – you know, FranNet in the franchising world, not that I looked at multiple uh, 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 recruiters in that world. I was looking at recruiters or other corporate places I knew and, and explored those. And I just didn't have the right feeling with some of them and some of them, you know, just the door shut on it. And that's what, what happened and how I got led here. Because you and I didn't work together, you worked with Sarah. So explain to me for you, what was that FranNet experience like? Uh, it was, I mean, no different than honestly any other recruiter experience mm-hmm. from just the, the 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 quick onset but one thing that was a little bit different than you see with other recruiters and i really i mean honestly i haven't been in the recruiter world much because i was with 
the last corporate company for 15 years. That's yeah. wasn't my desire to go out there and keep looking. Uh, we had multiple conversations uh, via phone. Uh, we sat down as a family, my wife and I and Sarah, just talked through things. What do we like? And she got that feedback from there. And then you always do the dots or whatever they're called to get what your personality is, which we've only taken a bazillion times through corporate. <laughs> so they can, peg, they, they, they can peg who you are <laughs> and, uh, and figure out those strengths and weaknesses. And you know, we, we went through that also, uh, obviously. And then um, after those few meetings, I mean, I think it was three or maybe the fourth was the last one, mm -hmm. but I know we met multiple times. And uh, that's when we sat down and went through a couple options. And she even said, look, I'm, I'm going to provide three. But I already know which one you're going to choose. I did um, not. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. <laughs> That's how it started out. And, and we, we had talked funny. about it. You, you'd have, and, and she saved it for last, obviously. Um, but it, 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 was, it was the right fit all the way around with, with where I'm at right now. So it wasn't a bad deal, but that's what, that, that's, that is what happened. That's funny that you remember that because I do not remember that. But one thing I think that we've already kind of been talking about here is your B2B sales experience for business to business for 15 years selling insurance and employee benefits in that business to business world. So you know how to build relationships, you understand business development. And when you and I started working together, I honestly don't even remember what else we looked at. You might, but when we started working together, I'm going to guess, I mean, you had looked at some other brands, as you mentioned, on your own. I'm going to guess that owning a fitness machine repair franchise had probably not crossed your mind. Am I right about that? that that's exactly correct. I did look at some. Obviously, there's some big franchise names out there, and the, the ones that were established with me being a little bit younger I was looking for something where I could still stay here in DFW. Uh, I would have had to wait longer for some others, gone through a, maybe a longer vetting process uh, than, than where we're at. But FMT as a franchisor has been great. And as we worked through it uh, with everything, it just felt more and more right. The, the more digging we did and the more research we did, uh, besides the fact that they give you a lot of information, but even just trying to figure that out. So while, while there were many other, you know, a couple, two other items that you gave me that, that I knew they weren't the great, the best fit for what I was doing. I know you had more. Uh, we just didn't need to explore those, those options. And I even found some on my own, but even those were, well, this county is taken or, mm -hmm. you know, this zip code is taken. And, uh, while I probably still could have managed it, it just wasn't something that I was really looking for. And I feel it's like it's daunting to do this on your own. Like you can get online and start looking for businesses and like all these things could go wrong. You're just not aware of because you're, you're doing it from the outside in versus working with someone doing it from the inside out and only showing you stuff that's available in your territory or whatever. Right. I'm not sure who, how other people do it because I've heard, and we may even get to this later, there can be some horror stories with franchising. Um, you know, I would have hoped using you and, you know, had I been using you that you guys wouldn't have give us, given us a bad franchise or right. option. But I remember you gave us a couple books to read. And one mm -hmm. of the things was always do some betting process and do that, actually figure out some more about the franchisor. And while it seems like basic process in a bunch of aspects, I guess people don't do that mm -hmm. if they're really searching on their own. People will tend to get emotional. Yes. And that ends up being a lot of the setback and maybe cause for error because they get emotionally attached mm -hmm. to a product or a service and don't really evaluate what they're seeking in 
the franchise, what they want the franchise to do for them. So they see a long line at a restaurant or, um, you know, they like a certain type of food or a certain product and they think that they want to own that business. And so that's part of our process is really trying to understand what it is they want the business to do for them and reverse engineering it a little bit to get them to think a little differently. Right. So you mentioned a couple things that kind of stood out to me. And one of the things that you said was when you were looking, you know, some of the territories were taken. Mm -hmm. So Dallas-Fort Worth is a great place to do business mm -hmm. and can be the first markets to go with a lot of brands. So I think right. one of the things that I felt was a good opportunity for you was because they had success as an independent business, hadn't been franchising that long. So it was an opportunity to get a prime territory. You purchased three territories, which is all of Dallas-Fort Worth, mm -hmm. and really be an early adapter. So right. being a younger brand and, and a franchisee, one of the first few franchisees, what number were you? Do you remember? Uh, I think it's eight or eleven, depending on how they draw it up with their first okay. couple. Is what I've always been told. But let's just we'll say eleven. But okay. It was very so I was early thinking, on. yeah, very early on. So you know, there's some advantages and disadvantages to being an early adapter. So share with us a little bit about you know some of the positives in that experience, and maybe what some of the roadblocks might have been right. with a newer brand. I would love to hear some of that. Uh, I I think. The positive aspect is you get to have whatever territory you want almost and what you're willing <laughs> to input into it, um, especially in a larger market where, you, in theory, it should work. I mean, that's why everybody is in business. I mean, they are trying to make money. They are for profit. So ha having that territory and the positive aspect of being early adopter or being that one of the first ones in is just getting that territory. Uh, because I know there's been multiple other people that have called like, well, I'm looking here because you're already in Dallas and things like that. And you took it all basically. Uh, <laughs> and they were, they were right. probably a little more generous yes, for you were. as an mm -hmm. early adapter. Yes. They start to figure some of that out because I've right. had other brands have all of the market sold to one owner and they said, yeah, we really, we gave them too much territory. Right. We offered them too much territory. And so, um, you know, that is an advantage to being early on is maybe right. having a little more negotiating power and maybe, I hate to use the word, but maybe a little naivety from mm -hmm. the franchisor about what the market could sustain when it's a newer brand. Right, right. And, and, and I do think that while, while a lot of that happened, I also think the franchisor saw hopefully that I would grow this into something in, in my background. And while... You know, let's hopefully they made the good mistake on me um, from, from that aspect because I just didn't want really to deal with anybody around me. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it is one of those things that, yes, it was that they probably gave me, uh, I, I would have continued to ask for it in any way. Whether, however they drew it up, I was going to ask for it all in, in any aspect. And, and while they could have just absolutely said no, they're like, you know what, we have someone young. We're, we're number 11, we're growing, and yes. okay, here you go, and, and let's figure and it out And you're hungry, you've got that right. sales yes. background. Right. Do you yes. have all three of your territories up and running? Uh, yeah, with, how, with it being a little bit more service-based, mm -hmm. uh, that, that was one of the things, going back to the early adoption of a newer franchise, they, they do kind of lean on uh, you, you two as the advisor in the, in the area. Okay, what does this look like? Right. And then also my, myself, and I said, I said, look, I'm 
I live up in Frisco. I'm in the North Dallas territory, if you will. And when I open, like all of them are going to call me and you're, you're early on at service base. You just don't have someone coming to a brick and mortar store knocking down your door. So you got to, you're going to say yes to a lot of things that you wouldn't say three years down the road. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's a key element of the learning process for sure. But that's where I I opened it all at once because there was, it just fit what DFW looks like. Cause if someone's going to call, they don't really care where you're at. Can you come service us? And so that's why I just ended up opening it that way. Um, you know, I did the the only, I guess, you know, going back to pros and cons, I guess the only, maybe the pitfall is, is some of the things that they'd already had set up, uh, with, with their, FDD in their document and like some of their marketing, mm-hmm. because obviously the whole thing is like, let's get you up and running. We right. want money just as much as right. you want to make yes. money and, and do all that. So, um, from that aspect with, uh, you know, th- there were some things in the marketing world that I gave the feedback and said, this didn't work. Like, I don't know who this company is, but that they, they did terrible is for lack of a better term. I probably, the marketing company. Right, right, right the marketing yeah. company. And we spent a lot of monkey, money to get up and running. That's part of the initial cost as we, you, right. you, everybody sees. And, and thankfully, the good news about a new company, they listened. They switched and, good. And, and, and moved gears. I don't think I was the only one that was preaching that, that noise to them. And so they did switch that up. So it was good as we continue to grow. Um, and figure that out, and at some point it'll become more streamlined. But you kind of figure out some kinks that may have been working with only a couple people. But when you go large scale, right, and really try to grow the uh, franchise from the franchisor position, there's going to be some things that just don't work in other territories that may not be better for the whole. So that's wonderful feedback because you were learning along with them in mm-hmm. some ways, and so it's really great to know that they listened and. Right. That's something that we share with our clients a lot as an early adapter. Mm-hmm. You may have a little more influence on some of the decisions. So could be a little bit negative because there's some mistakes made. But by the same token, if it's somebody that really wants to be involved in some of the higher up decisions, there's more opportunity right. for that. So and more access to the founder, I would say, too, yes. that's that's very still actively, I think, involved with what they're hearing from the franchisees. Right. And, yeah, yes. absolutely. And it's imperative that the first franchisees are successful. Yes. Right. It makes for everybody else. And, and even for us as a service brand trying to go national, uh, as I did many calls about uh, just future franchisees, I may have talked to someone in San Diego that we we're talking about earlier. I, I feel like I talked to everybody. And, yeah. and I said over and over and over, we're not there yet. It is a new franchise, mm-hmm. but it will be the brand of the of the nation in this space. Um, and, and we're still getting there uh, through COVID and everything uh, to, to get to it. And um, and even some of the ones that may not sp- still be around, it just wasn't the right fit for them in the first place. But almost everybody from what I've seen is still around um, for the most part. No one left due to COVID by any means. It just, they, they left pre-COVID just because it wasn't a great fit for them in that aspect. So talk to us about your personal success within the brand. I hear that... Um, You've done quite well. I think you even won an award. Is that correct? I I did last year. Um, I was the franchise, I guess, franchisee of the year. But while that is mainly off revenue, I believe, uh, but I did also travel around to help out other franchisees and get them wow. running. So they, they, from my perspective, while it took, may have taken some time away from here locally, 
the more and more the brand gets out uh, across the nation, as you see other brands that are established, it's only going to help me in the long run. Yeah. Um, because as we run into clients that have 30, 50, 100 locations, uh, as we think multifamily and things like that in our space, uh, if those are not all, all going to be in DFW. They're going to be spread across country. And if we can get our continued brand out uh, from that aspect, it's only going to help me locally also. So yes, I did. It, it wasn't lost on me that I grew very quickly. I am in a great market. Uh, take out all the other craziness that's gone on in, in this country. I, we are in a good market here and there are still other great markets out there. And, you know, I believe, believe I saw something come across that FMT, hey, we still have some of these great markets that are still available right now. Um, and, and, uh, but that's kind of wh where I've gotten, how I've grown and just probably because I've gone, I guess, all in, this is my career. Yeah. versus uh, others, and it's not a knock on them. They are still working their corporate job, and they're doing this uh, on the side. And while it can happen, they're just going to grow at a slower pace just because naturally you're not spending as much time right. on a service-based yeah. business. Right. So You have to hire someone to do what you're doing a lot of, and so it can right. take longer to get the ROI that they might be seeking, but by the same token, still have their job. Right. So it thrills me to hear how well you've done um, at, at your business. One thing I think that we really failed to address is what it is that you do exactly. We said the name of your business, which is a perfect representation of what you do. But just tell us a little bit. It's Fitness Machine Technicians, mm -hmm. which is a great name for what you do. So right. just share with us a little bit about your services so that if anyone listening today needs your services, um, they'll know who to call. Yes, how can they find you? How can right, they find right. you? Well, it, it feels like we're everywhere. I mean, if you just type in Fitness Machine or Treadmill Repair, we usually pop up. It is part of the marketing and not that others aren't out there in other spaces. They are usually local or regional. Uh, but we do service and repair on fitness equipment. And uh, while we do commercial and residential, obviously, like a lot of people, we do are pretty heavy commercial, uh, first and foremost, just because that's how you generally grow a business from a lot of aspects. And with that, our main focus has been doing preventative maintenance on these machines to help people get them continuing to run we catch things quicker when we're in there more often, um, whether it's quarterly, monthly, bi-monthly, bi whatever that looks like. And we have some clients that literally only have three pieces of equipment, as I think about like a senior center, uh, senior, senior center that for assisted living, and other places that may just be multifamily. Uh, we, we do have some, your basic gyms and things like that, but the universities, uh, cities, I mean, we have multiple cities, governments, all, we're all over the board from that aspect. And uh, m most gyms either use their own people uh, or they are have someone on site that just knows a little bit about something and that is their focus. And so while we have some clients like that, you know, our focus has been elsewhere because it's that they almost need someone on site. And unfortunately, nobody's business model, unless you are owning the gym, can just be there on site uh, nonstop. So, so give um, us your website. It is fitnessmachinetechnicians.com. Awesome. And, you know, don't forget the S, I guess. It seems like as I'm typing an email, it's, it's very long, but it is part of the branding. And yeah. it, it, it is what it, what it is, unfortunately. And that's, it, it's a great, great thing as far as their branding and what they used to be called. I don't even remember what it was, but since I've known it, this is what it is. And obviously, if you type that in, it's part of the 
how you grow your brand because you're the first thing that pops up. Well, we will be sure to share that with our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today, Drew, and telling us a little bit about your business and how you grew it. And hopefully we can have you on again and you can give us more information on more growth in the future. Thank you, audience, for joining us for episode eight of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. You can find us on our YouTube channel, Dallas, Fort Worth, Oklahoma. You can also find Sarah Wasco and Roxanne Rapsky on LinkedIn. You can also find us on frannet.com. Thank you, and we will see you soon for episode nine. Bye.